Chargers and the New York Giants have exchanged their draft picks. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Eli Manning and Philip Rivers. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Good morning, everybody. 403. His wife and nothing to say. 403 on the fan on this Thursday morning. 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you for one more hour. The warm-up show comes your way at 5. Talking mainly about uh, baseball, a little bit about the Knicks, and then obviously the the horrible situation in Kansas City. Um, shooting at the... Kansas City Parade uh, for their championship. And for me, it just, you know, uh, we all know how unfortunately common this type of thing has become in our country and how numb to it in many ways we become and how unfortunate that is as well as how horrible it is. And a young woman lost her life, uh, Lisa Lopez from KKFI in Kansas City from the radio station. Uh, a 20 up, upwards of 20 people injured including 11 children just a devastating day and on a championship parade too where add that to the list of different things we all have to worry about going to it's you know sporting events and movie theaters just sending your kids to school and to me that's where it hits home i've been to parades i hope to take my kids to a hopefully one of our teams here wins a championship and we have a parade and I'd love to take my children to it. A Yankee parade, taking my kids, that's the dream. And to hear that you know, 11 children who, thankfully, are all expected to make full recovery, uh, you know, had to deal with this and were wounded by this and were in the hospital because of this and you know, were shot because of this is just devastating. And it's just an unspeakable tragedy that, unfortunately, we speak about far too much. So we've dealt with that this morning. Uh, in that situation, the Knicks and their injuries, it's one of those days that's hard to muster enthusiasm for Aaron Boone and the Yankees and hard to muster enthusiasm for what's going on with the Knicks as they head into the All-Star break. But we try because it's what we do. It's what we talk about. It's how we get through things like this. And it's certainly how I do. And, you know, looking at the Yankees, Boone spoke today. I thought he the main thing that I took from it was the importance and the belief they have right now in D.J. LeMahieu and how important it is as we talk about whether or not he's allowed to make the lineup, is a data applicator, who makes the lineup. You heard loud and clear that he's looking for the top of this order to be led by D.J. LeMahieu, and if he can revert back to the guy he was in 2019 and 2020 to be in front of Judge and Soto, that's the optimism of this team. Right now, the optimism of this team is not the starting pitching, not the bullpen, Amazingly enough, it's been the one thing that's really hurt them come playoff time year in and year out. And what was the worst part of their team last year is the offense, is Juan Soto, is this team's ability to mash, especially in the beginning and middle of this lineup. And that's as they head to camp, that's what we're looking at. We're waiting to see our first days. It's only pitchers and catches, but we're waiting to see Juan Soto in that glorious pinstripe uniform and him and Judge in the middle of that lineup. And hopefully a healthier and more effective and back to his old self, DJ LeMahieu. And that's what I took from Boone's early press conference is the the importance and the early reliance they're going to have on DJ LeMahieu and the faith despite his struggles, really, 
over the last couple of years is bad struggles of reverting back to what he was. 877-337-6666. There's a lot, a lot of free agents left to still sign as we're heading into uh, the beginnings of camp. And I, another story I brought up is it sounds like Jordan Montgomery, which has been a, it just seemed like a foregone conclusion that he would sign with the defending champion Texas Rangers. He was a huge key cog in that championship. He was in, he did incredible performance after incredible performance in the postseason. He pitched really well for them down the stretch, and he earned himself a big-time contract that has just not been there. And as Texas was waiting for their their TV money and for that situation to play itself out with their sport, with their regional network, it seems like and reports are that they are done and they are not going to be giving out any more big contracts and they're not sure about their money. And so Jordan Montgomery suddenly becomes someone who's available or at least more available as, as everyone waited for him to just eventually go to Texas. I think the Mets should be all over Jordan Montgomery. It doesn't make any sense. He does not have, I, I double-checked, I was pretty sure of this, but I double-checked because I'm an all-in type of guy. I double-checked. He does not have the qualifying offer as someone who's traded midseason. So you're not you're not losing a draft pick. He's still of the right age where, I mean, if you're telling me you don't want to sign him because he doesn't fit the window, what kind of time frame are you looking at to compete? I mean, Jordan Montgomery's been an excellent postseason pitcher. He's been a solid to above average and more than, you know, solid regular season pitcher. He's pitched in New York. He's fit all the criteria the, Met, the Mets of this current regime like to tell you. It's still a building for toward the future move. You give, him a, you give him a contract, he should still be in the middle of your rotation when you expect to, to be good and dynamic. He's clutch. He's good in the postseason. He's proved it in New York. Like, he's left-handed. Like, I don't know what else you want. And it doesn't make sense to me that that kind of pitcher doesn't fit this team. And now, if his market has collapsed and the one team that looks like they were going to sign him and the one team that he was waiting for is suddenly off the table and that is not a possibility and suddenly it's just up for grabs, how the Mets would not be all over this guy makes no sense. Go do something for this year. Give yourself a chance. This rotation, let's be honest, we know what it is. You don't have an ace. You don't have depth. And you're relying on guys who've been unproven. At least recently unproven. And I don't I don't mind some low-risk, high-reward type signings. But you can't rely on them to the level you've been relying on them or you expect to rely on them this year. Go get someone proven. Go spend that money. You're not losing a, you're not losing a, a, a draft pick to a qualifying offer signee. You're not signing an older player where you feel like you're not going to get the most out of him when you expect to contend. Like Everything about Jordan Montgomery makes sense for me for the Mets. It gives you another, him and Sanga are probably the 1-1-A, which, yeah, granted, it's not an ace-ace, but those two guys are solid number twos, excellent number threes. At least it gives you some flexibility and some accountability and some certainty inside a rotation that lacks all three at the current moment. Go do it. Go sign Montgomery. That's exactly what the Mets should do. That's exactly what the Mets should do. 877-337-6666. Adam and Center Reach. What's up, Adam? Hey, how you doing tonight? Good. How are you, 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 
kind of kind of hit exactly what I was just going to refer to about the uh, free agents that are left on the market, especially pitching. I mean, what what would be a reasonable offer for someone like Montgomery right now? Who, you know, I'm not saying he's out of options. Obviously, right. teams that could use him. But what would be a good offer to give him? You know, it's a three year deal maybe. Because uh, he is something that could easily be our number two guy uh, in a rotation. Yeah. Uh, uh, even someone like uh, Stella left over. Well, what's the value for him right now? Bring him with, in on a, with know, who a, a left over? Deal. What'd you say? Snell. Oh, Snell. Yeah. No. Well, Snell, I Snell, I kind of understand um, on some level because one, he's going to be asking for more money than Montgomery. He's been a little bit less hit or miss. His, his, his highs are higher than the Montgomery highs. Don't no doubt about it. He won a yeah. Cy Young. You know, you classify him as an ace if you bring him in. I don't know. I think he's a little bit older. I believe he is. Uh, I I, um, I just don't. Uh, he's a little bit more hit or miss where I know what I'm getting from Montgomery. I can pay a little bit less. I know what I'm getting. He's solid. He's pitched in New York. I think he's a better fit. And w- would I be opposed? And I And I do think I got to double check on that. I don't know. Does Snell come with a qualifying offer as well? I thought he did. Um, if he and then you, there's a chance you're losing a pick on signing Snell as well. Um, so what would be a reasonable offer to get someone like Montgomery? Especially Rangers are kind of out of it right now. What would be a reasonable offer that Mesh can give? I mean, obviously we all know Mesh got deep pockets. But what's a reasonable offer that Mesh should probably give? Yeah, get, get him off the get him off the uh, free agent. Let's get him out of here. Get him over here. Kind of show to the fan base that. Okay, we now have a piece in that we can build on for next year as well. Yeah, we're gonna have him in a, in a mix. I would, I would, and then th- yeah, good. Also about even Trevor Bauer, he's now this guy well, saying he wants to play for the league minimal. Yes, what's the what's the that's the lowest risk you can possibly well can sir, have. financially Something certainly happens in the clubhouse you cut him. I I don't I I understand that someone and 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 thank you for the call and I do agree that he deserves a second chance right that that's it's the it's the biggest question mark out there. That's the biggest question mark out there. There is there is a guy right now who is without question a number two on a staff. Maybe even more than that. Former Cy Young Award winner. No one questions his ability. He is, if the Mets sign him, he's the best pitcher in the rotation, most likely. I mean, he's had that kind of resume. And if the Yankees sign him, he's clearly their second best pitcher in the rotation. And he's sitting out there and he'd probably take the league minimum. And he actually put out a sales pitch where he talked. He actually put out a tweet and put out a, a pretty much a sales pitch talking about the idea that I think it was like Blake Snell is going to make millions and millions and hundreds of millions of dollars and well-deserved. He's an excellent pitcher. But if there are teams out there who aren't looking to spend that kind of money but want the same kind of results, you know, there's another pitcher on the market who's won a Cy Young and, and he's willing to make, you know, a ton less money. So he actually went out there and said, look, and he's and he's right on some level, and it is amazing to add what the other names we're talking about the Montgomerys and all the other names and the Snell and everybody else Bellinger and all the other free agents. There is a guy right now for the taking, who is an excellent starting pitcher, number two on the Yankees, and probably the ace of the staff with the Mets if they signed him today, out there for a league minimum. But he comes attached with the baggage of heinous accusations that in many cases have either been completely disproven or at least thrown into question at the very least. I mean, but this is a guy and in, in sports, Major League Baseball, other sports, that have guys who have been charged, guys who have been, you know, 
in in far more legal trouble. Again, I don't believe he was even charged for any crimes. He was he was sued uh, civilly and was found to not have to pay a single dollar uh, to this woman who sued him. So he was not fined. He was not found liable or responsible in any way, shape, or form. He did admit uh, to doing things I wouldn't do, uh, unsavory things that I find incomprehensible, whether I was asked to do them or not. But does he never deserve a second chance? I don't know. I would think he does. Do you want to be the team that gives it to him? And that's where teams are right now and have to decide – How desperate are they? And here's what I'll tell you about the Mets and why I don't see it for the Mets. That's a desperate move. To bring in a guy like that, to bring in a Bauer and risk the baggage of it and risk the, you know, the ire of the fan base and all the different things that come with signing them is a move where you're desperate to win. You're looking, you make that move because you need that starting pitcher and it's about winning and he gives you the best chance to win and all else be damned and you'll deal with it and hopefully it blows over and he'll pitch well and everyone will forget about it and you can move on from there. It's a bit of a desperate move because it's about winning and taking on taking on water and taking on damage. And the Mets have shown you exactly zero bit of urgency for winning this season. Zero. There is zero urgency to win. So why would they take on the headache of that? And they have the richest owner in baseball. Bargains aren't necessarily what they need. You know, they they would I would, they'd probably be more open to the idea if he came back, pitched for another organization, let it all blow over, had a good year, and then be forced to pay him more money next year. Once he's back in the good graces of the public, I think that would probably fit the Met timeline more than giving him a nothing contract now and and looking for the best bargain, uh, arguably in re- recent memory, when it comes to just flat out talent for contract. And I would think the Yankees are even, I think the Yankees are probably more of the team it makes sense for because they are desperate, as I've talked about all morning, about how many guys are off the books this year. And how next year, we're not sure how the team's going to look. I still think they'll put together a very competitive team, and I expect them to sign Juan Soto, but they have a bunch of guys coming off the books. Next year is is no possibly no Torres, no Verdugo, no Soto, no Rizzo, um, uh, no Clay Holmes. Like, they could be without a closer. They could be without a second base and without a first base and without a left fielder, without a right fielder slash DH, whatever you're going to classify them as, as some of these other outfield prospects come up. And right now, their rotation doesn't have a number two unless you believe in Rodon. I mean, it makes more sense for the Yankees, quite honestly, because they're desperate to win this year. This has been an all-in year. And, And they look like they don't want to spend much more money so they can get a cheap second pitcher. But... Right As of right now, they don't seem to want to, A, deal with the idea of him and Cole not being on the same page, and the idea of obvious, the heinous the heinous things he's been accused of and some of the things he's even admitted to, and the idea that there will be many people who find him too unsavory to be a New York Yankee. So it's just a, it's a matter of where they go. It's 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 honestly not to make a, a poor example of a, a a serious accusation situation, but like it's me at a Super Bowl party. I don't want to be the first guy to step up and take a slice of hero because you know I'll take the slings and arrows of being the the hungry fat guy. So I wait, I wait, and I let someone else go get that first piece of hero, and then I dive in. And that's what it feels like a lot of these teams are doing. 
They 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 want to see who the first team is to step up and take Bauer. Phil in California, what's up, Phil? Hey, Chris. Two points. Number one, I wanted to just tell you your seventeen years and the way you oh, this all in things ridiculous. Yes. Yeah, the way the way you defended yourself last night, by the way, yesterday morning was fantastic. Well, and I thank think you. It, it answered every question. That's and the, right. The second thing I wanted to tell you. Uh, you mentioned Rodon being one of the very big keys. And, the and biggest. I, I, I've been a Giants fan 50 years, and, and if you look at Rodon, 13-5 and five with the White Sox, they get rid of him. Uh, Giants, 12-8, and eight, they get rid of him. Well. Uh, Rodon, uh, I, I, I think you're right saying what you're saying because I, I really think you've got a big problem there. Because the Giants fans can't stand them. Wilmer Flores was plastered in the dugout when he came in, Rodon, and kicked the bats all over uh, Wilmer Flores. I think he used to be a Met, in fact, didn't he? Yes. And, and, and I'm telling you, I really respect you, but I really think that the Rodon uh, is, is a good point to bring up on. I think he's going to be a big problem. Well, I mean, look, it's it's one thing to say, you know, the, the 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 Giants didn't get rid of him. The Giants didn't pay the money in free agency. It's not quite the same. That's true. That's true. I mean, I understand your point, but he went back-to-back years of a 2.37 ERA yep. and a 2.88 ERA, and he led the league in strikeouts per nine with the Giants at 12, and he was 12.6 uh, the year before, and he finished fifth and sixth. It was an all-star and finished fifth and sixth. In the, in the Cy Young Award voting. Now, I'm not telling you I know that Rodon is going to be great this year. I've never said that. What I'm saying is... No, is, you didn't. As I think if you look at it, and if you told me that Rodon puts up a year like he did for your Giants uh, the other like in 2022, if that same year is put up by Rodon this year for the Yankees, I think the Yankees are going to have a great season. Yeah, I, 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 think, I, I think he I, is a key, as, as his success goes... So will the Yankees. That that's the big their biggest need is that secondary pitcher behind Cole. And if Rodon, who they paid 160 million dollars to, if he fills that role, I think the Yankees are a far better team than they are right now with that question mark. Oh, no question. But but like look at the Giants. They went out and got Robbie Ray. Uh, he was 0-1 last year, and 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 the Giants are in death. The Giants were one of six teams to have mm-hmm. a massive decline in attendance, and they are in big trouble. Right. And uh, of course, they got the Dodgers on top of them in the division. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying that they they wouldn't have gotten rid of them. They 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 desperately need pitching. And, and uh, well, they, I, they I, desperately need anything. They need a star. Why haven't they signed Bellinger? Why haven't they done a lot of things? The Giants have kind of had a puzzling couple of years here. They try and get they try and get Correa that falls through. They try right. they try and get Judge that falls through. They exactly. haven't they haven't really done uh, much here. They went out and got the Korea. Uh, they got the 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 KBO star. Uh, what was his name? I forget his name. I know his his nickname is Grandson of the Wind. I forget his name. But they go out and get him who. You know, great bat to ball skills, but plays in the KBO, which you know many people will tell you is not as good as AAA. So the Giants are desperate in need of a star. I thought a star. I thought they were going to be in the Bellinger mix. Maybe they still are. I have no idea what's going on. But yeah, I mean, it's one thing to say, and there's, there's guys like that. Like uh, that was a talking point for, as I made the case for Gary Sheffield to get into the Hall of Fame. Talking point about Gary Sheffield. Look at how many different teams he's on. Josh Donaldson. Look at how many different teams he's on. And the idea that, you know, 
He signed a he was like the uh, the White Sox didn't retain him. He signs a one year deal, right? He signed a one year deal with the Giants and then didn't stay there. He came to the Yankees. Um, I don't think he's necessarily a bust. I don't. I, I'm somewhere in the middle. We'll see what happens. All I'm saying is, is to me, without question, I don't even think it's debatable. The biggest question mark and the biggest, uh, you know, season crux. Like, if you look at, I honestly believe, if you look at his stats at the end of the year, I will tell you how the Yankees did. If he had, if he does what he did in San Francisco, which was point to, pitch to a two eight eight ERA, one hundred and seventy eight innings. Struck out 237 guys and led the league in strikeouts per nine. It was an all-star and finished sixth in the Cy Young. If that happens for the Yankees in 2024, the Yankees are going to have a hell of a year. Like that's what I that's what I would tell you. And if he has last year's season of 6.85 ERA and only throws 70 innings and is awful, well then the Yankees are going to have to do something at the deadline and make a and they won't be nearly as good as they could be. That's to me. That is the most defining. You how how goes Carlos Rodon goes the Yankees? He is the biggest piece, biggest question mark, and biggest season turner in one way or another that the Yankees have. And a point of the morning has been if you listen to Aaron Boone's opening press conference, I think the Yankees think the second one to that is DJ Lemayhew. I think that's how I think the Yankees love DJ LeMahieu. I think Brian Ca- uh, Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone love what DJ LeMahieu brings when he's healthy and right, and what he did in 2019 and 2020. I think Aaron Boone kind of has a hope and a sneaking suspicion that those days are back, and if they are, I think you they might be right that that could be a piece that you know what Judge is going to give you, you know what Soto is going to give you, and you put a 320 DJ LeMahieu two hits a night. 350 on base percentage guy in front of them. Now you have a devastating top of the order. Devastating. So if you listen to Aaron Boone, I think he thinks that TJ May, he was the offensive Carlos Rodon. And those two guys could be the, the, as much as they have other stars and they have Cole at the top of the rotation and they have Judge and Soto in the middle of the lineup, you could be looking at Carlos Rodon and DJ LeMahieu as the two most important Yankees for an all-in must-win championship year of 2024. Baseline underneath, bank shot. No, Ewing slams in the follow. And the Knicks go up by one with 26 seconds remaining. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. The buzzer sounds, and the New York Knickerbockers are going back to the NBA Finals. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Looking through that box that my guy Mark sent me. A fan of the show sent me. He hears me talking about my kids and wrestling. And he sent me a bunch of these old school uh, wrestling figures. And there's a gold dust here. I was looking for a Doink the Clown. I was going to take a picture. Send it to Sal and BT. But there is no Doink in here. But there's a gold dust. And those two guys. Hey, you lose a bet, you live up to it. And I thought they did a great job. The video of them actually putting on their own makeup in the bathroom was was very. I was shocked. they did a great job. I figured someone did that for them. Look at that, almost came natural. Amazing. 
They look great. The video was funny. Good for them. But yeah, no, big into wrestling. Eddie wants to talk about wrestling. I'm big into it right now. I'm locked in. I'm locked in. I have to admit, I feel like it's as good. It's been this is about as good as it's been in a long time, or at least that I've paid attention to. Eddie and Rockland, what's up, Eddie? What's up, Chris? What's going on, pal? How we doing? You got a little gift basket, huh? The I, mechanicals are doing good, man. Your kids are going to school, coming home with bags. You're going to work, coming home with boxes. Yep, that's true. Everyone's getting gifts. Yeah, you didn't watch wrestling when you were growing up. No, when I, well, I mean, not when I was growing up. I I I I watched wrestling when I was a kid, like a little kid. Uh, I'm not sure when I stopped, but it was probably I don't know. It wasn't. I was probably like seven or eight when I stopped. And then I didn't really pick it up. I watched a little bit when the NWO started, and that's like kind of when it started picking back up again. And then through Austin and The Rock, maybe 10th, 11th, and 12th grade of high school. And then I haven't watched it since then until now. Yeah. Well, they didn't have the dolls back then when we were growing up. No, I'm sure it wasn't not. There wasn't a Bruno San Martino doll or nope. a superstar Billy Graham doll or any dolls. But let me you seem like an honest They're guy. figures. Chris. You know, action when the figures. Kids, yeah, not too much action. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we had G.I. Joe's, man. You get to pull the string in the back. He'd tell you what to go do. Sure. That's a, that's an action doll. But let me, let me ask you a question. When you tucked the kids into bed last night, how long would it take before you started rifling through those Valentine bags? <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm trying to stay away from chocolate at the moment. So, no, I was, I, I, I was good. Uh, and plus, they would know. You kidding me? My son Tommy would be all over it. He'd be, dude, he'd, be, little, he'd be downstairs in a minute. He'd be like, who ate my candy? Dude, give me a little background on you because I've been listening to fans since uh, early, uh, <clears> mid-80s, <throat> whatever. I know it was a different station then and then mm-hmm. started calling in as soon as the Rams went to the Super Bowl around 2000, uh, 99, really, when uh, Chris and Mike. But right. you said you were there from 07. Before that, you were doing what? You just graduated college? Yeah. Well, you want to know my whole life? Was this a job interview? Yeah. Um, well, listen, man. I got your sports background. I got to know your your work, who you worked you, with. You really don't have to. But, yes, okay. Here, I'll give you the uh, Ray Finkel, okay. soccer-style kicker. No, um, I was uh, – I, yeah, I, uh, um, I started working here. I, I – I met. I we actually we can get into. I'll, I'll tell the whole story then, real quick. Why not? Uh, Keith was asking me to uh, tell the story uh, before. I actually so I went to Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I graduated um, just uh, Nassau Community College, um, and I was looking for something to do. Whether I was going to go to another school or not, I kind of had the idea that if I took out a loan and went through all that to go to another school, I'd probably just end up drinking it all the way and partying instead of getting. So I was like, I don't know if I want to go away. Plus, my dad was sick, and it just felt like maybe it was best to just stay home. Anyway, um, I then I guess whatever year it was, 2006, 2005, I said, what the hell? I love uh, listening to Mike and Chris, so I went to Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I got a do- I got, you know, I went through their 16-week program, and then I went to Vegas right after. I was going to, uh, as soon as I got back from Vegas, I literally graduated Connecticut School of Broadcasting, and then I was, or whatever, got my certificate, whatever you want to call it. And then I went to Vegas with my buddies that week, pretty much. And the plan was to come back from Vegas and start sending out resumes and see, you know, what's out there. And in Las Vegas, I was in uh, a club on a rooftop called Pure. 
of MGM Grand. I don't know which hotel it was. I forget, but it was a rooftop bar on one of the hotels, and the name of the club was Pure. And me and my buddies are hanging out on this rooftop bar, and all of a sudden, one of my buddies taps me on the shoulder. He goes, "Hey, I think I just saw Mark Malusis, the producer of uh, Mike and the Mad Dog." I'm like, "Get the hell out of here!" Now I know Mark. I watch Mike and the Mad Dog re- religiously on TV. I know exactly who Mark Malusis is. And I'm like, get out of here. He goes, yeah, I'm pretty sure. And I'm like, you should go talk to him. I'm like, you, I'm, like I'm not going to go bother Mark Malusis. Why would I, you know, he's hanging out. Maybe he's here with a girlfriend or something. I don't want to bother Mark Malusis. I'm not going to do that. Four or five drinks later, where's Mark Malusis? I got to go find him and tell him I'm going to be the greatest thing in sports radio ever. So I'm looking for Mark everywhere. A couple drinks in, can't find him anywhere. Missed my opportunity to talk to Mark Malusis. I'm in an elevator leaving the club later that night. We almost get we get into an argument with someone in the elevator about something that we don't have to get into, and eventually things calm down. In the brief time we're about to we ride the elevator, and we're like, "Oh, listen, I relax." He's like, "Yeah, you guys sound like from New York." I'm like, "Yeah, we are from New York." And we're talking. He's like, "Yeah, you know, I'm uh, I'm uh, I work at uh, WFAN Sports Radio." I'm like, "Get out of here!" I'm like, "Mark Malusis was up top." He goes, "Yeah, I know. I'm with him. You want to go meet him?" I was like, "Yeah." And that was Brian Monzo, uh, who I worked with for years, and became one of my you know good friends. And I worked with on the friend on with Mike for years, Mons. So I met Mons in an elevator coming down from a club. Who then we went and hung out, and I met Mark Malusis that night. And then the next night, Mark and Sal Licata, who was there with Mark Malusis as well, and I guess there was another gentleman on the trip. You may know him, Greg Giannotti. I didn't get a chance to meet Greg. He was leaving that next morning, and he was already helping Sal get through a rough evening the night I met Mark. But that next night, I, I, me and my buddies got a table at a club in the wind, and we invited Sal and and Mark down. And we hung out all night, and we, you know, I, I fed them drinks, and you know, pretty much bribed them to help me get a uh, internship, to which I got that next winter, and I internshiped here at the fans starting in January of '07, and the rest is history. I've worked for everybody. I got hired that December. I was only a, I was only an intern and a part timer for a year. That December, I got hired full time as the board op for Steve Summers, and I was working you know nights and weekends for I don't know seven years until finally me and Monzo got promoted to the big leagues, and I was working with Francesa for seven years, and then I worked through all the different iterations that became the afternoon show. I worked for um, CMB, then it was just Maggie and Bart. Then I did Moose and Maggie in the middays for a brief time before Carton and Roberts. And now here I sit, your humble overtime host, who is all in. But that is that is my story. So, yeah, I met Brian Monzo in an elevator in Las Vegas, turned into meeting Mark Malusis and Sal Licata in Las Vegas, which turned into having an interview with the great Eddie Scazzeri, who apparently later on years later i screwed on christmas eve and took off i have no memory of such things but i'll take his word for it and it comes back to bite you years later when you get pronounced as not all in that's how things work it's a circle it's a vicious cycle but yeah so then that's that's how i got to the station before that i worked at guitar center what else do you want to know about me i worked at guitar center i was selling guitars and working the front door security not that I can play a lick of guitar, but I tried to sell them. Uh, and then, yeah, so I got the internship, right? I, I graduated Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Uh, met them in Vegas. Within six months, I had an internship. And away we went. And that's how I got here. That's my story.
Hope you liked it. It was fun. It's an amazing. I mean, it is crazy that you think about if I got on that elevator. Third, never mind him. If I got on the elevator before, it was only one elevator going up and down. If I got on the elevator before or the elevator after, I don't know what I'd be doing. I mean, I definitely was going to send a resume this way, so maybe there's a chance that I was still at W. I mean, I was certainly planning on, I started going to Connecticut School of Broadcasting because of the love of this station that I had. So I probably would have sent a, a resume here anyway. So maybe, I don't know, prob- but probably not. My entire life changed because I got on the right elevator. It's because I was in the right club in the right night and literally got on the I'm 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 a minute away. I'm I'm one bathroom stop on the way to the elevator away from having a completely different life. It's crazy. It's crazy. Mason in Plainview. What's up, Mason? Hey Chris. Great story, by the way. Oh, thank uh, you. Life is all about seizing. Those opportunities. I, that I, was, I, I mean, yeah, it was, you know, it was just, I, I met Mark Malusis and I was like, come hang out. I got you. Come hang out. Sit at our table, drink right. our booze, have some fun. And it was him. It was, it was him and Sal. Him yeah. and Sal came the next night. Gio had <laughs> left that morning. Monzo had left that morning. I, w- I did meet Mons and I met uh, uh, Malusis that night at the Horseshoe Bar at the MGM Grand. And then the next night I invited him and Sal over. And they come and you know they the came thing in. Is? What's you that? were bold enough to walk through that door when that opportunity presented. That's right. And then, you know, listen, and then, I mean, I was lucky enough to be given the opportunity to send my, send my resume uh, to the great Eddie Scazzeri, all jokes aside, the great, tremendous Eddie Scazzeri, who I do apologize for if I called out on Christmas Eve. doesn't sound like me, but if I did it, left him in the lurch, I apologize. Uh, but And then had Mark Malusis and Sal Licata put in a good word for me. But from that point on... I had to do what I had to do to get here. So, you know, I, I don't... Absolutely. I, that's, you know, and you know how you do that? By being all in at every moment. That's, that's how right. you get here. That's right. I'm just going to say five seconds. I'm a psychiatrist by training. If we don't get ahead yeah. of this gun violence in our society, yeah. just going to increase. Yeah. Uh, it's just a downward spiral. Hopefully we get ahead of that. I, I that being said... Yeah. I, uh, I don't know, Mason. Mass- I don't know how we get ahead of it. It seems like... I, it's 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 almost unique to us, which is it's hard it to, is. it's hard to swallow that fact that it's it's almost it unique to us. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But you know what? We got to push through, and uh, hopefully, better heads will prevail yeah. and cooler minds. Um, with the Mets, I think we got to the Mets have to make some type of a move to pick up these pictures that are out there. I mean, uh, I show up to these games with the kids, and uh, we're just talking about this at work with my friends. We said. Hopefully the season will be uh, a good season, but I don't see them going out and making those changes or putting the money where the mouth is. I think we got these opportunities to sign Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery. And listen, I believe everybody deserves a second chance in life, like you said, with Bauer. Um, not things that I don't think the normal individual would do, but we don't know where he was and what he was doing at that time, where his headspace was. Yeah. But everybody deserves an opportunity in life to redeem themselves. Yeah, I mean, and and thank you for the call, Mason. And the thing with him is, I mean, if you're being fair about it, there have been guys who have been charged with crimes. There have been guys who, like, you know, he was never charged with a crime, and then he was sued personally and was found to have no cause for for life. Like, he didn't have to pay a single dime. So he was not fine. He was not found responsible in a in a private lawsuit, and he was not charged with a crime. I mean, it's it that alone makes it tough to say he doesn't deserve another chance. I mean, those two things. Now again, 
what he may have done, what he admitted to do was was distasteful. But no, he committed no crime. They did not find any evidence to charge him on a crime. And then through a civil suit was found to not have any libel or any responsibility and didn't have to pay a dollar. It's tough to not say that person deserves a second chance to earn a living at what their what their expertise is. It's just you want to be the team that affords them that second chance. It's not an easy. It's not an easy answer. World Series over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. It's their 27th World Championship, the most of any team in any sport in the history of professional sports. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. All right, 449. Chris McMahon here with you. We're almost at the end. The warm-up show is 10 minutes away. Jerry and Al are coming your way in 10 minutes. But until then, rapid-fire-style phone calls. Let's go, 877-337-6666. You can also hit me up on Twitter or X or whatever, at CMAC, W-F-A-N. If it's interesting in words, I might bring it to life. But right now, we'll go to Maury in Belmore. What's up, Maury? Tonight is your night, bro. Tonight is your night, bro. I know, I know my boy Mario's on his way to work, so I wanted to quickly tell you. Yes. First of all, you, you told the story about going to play Mepham in your high school football game. You mm-hmm. were sitting in the locker room listening to, I think it was Guns N' Roses. Um, you remember telling that story on the air? Man, uh, yeah, I don't think it was Guns N' Roses. I think it was the Metallica with the San Francisco Orchestra. Oh, that's right. That was that's kind right. of my go-to. That was my go-to thing for a while, especially we during football. We were going to football. play the Pirates, and I put my, my I was going- ready by my locker room. Yeah, I mean, I was going. To, yeah, I don't. I don't know if I remember that story, but that definitely happened. We went to go play Mepham. We never beat Mepham. I lost. We, I lost both years to Mepham, uh, junior and senior year. Yeah, we used to lose to Garden City every year. Oh yeah, year, well, right? you lost to Garden City, sure. No, everyone, everyone lost that. to Garden City. We all lost to Garden City. But those damn, those damn about, Trojans. Yeah, before I talk about my uh, Knicks, let's just say that uh, Lenny Dykstra seems to be. He had a stroke. So oh, you know what? I mentioned. I, I wrote that down. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, Lenny. Um, unfortunately, he had a stroke. Hopefully, he's doing all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, we, uh, it's, you know, he was always a pretty, pretty. I know he's been having a rough, you know, rough couple of having fun, but kind of living a, a little crazy lately. So yeah, let's hope he gets better. But look, last night was a great example of when injuries uh, and when coach doesn't play everyone. I just feel like we weren't going to win that game no matter what. Last no, night. I, I was, they got off to a hot that. start. I was surprised how well they played in the first but, quarter. And Bron, you know, Bronson had twenty points in the first quarter. Uh, but then it, you quickly realized the way the game was going to go in the second yeah. quarter. Yeah, they always seem to lose a quarter when they don't have the full. Team well, listen, yeah, that's who they are. They're <clears throat> they're they're built on their depth, and they didn't yep. have any. All right, and then what are we going to do? Like, you know, no more football. Is there? You're going to do a movie theme every morning, or like we got to figure something? Yeah, out. Yeah, I know. I got to figure something out. Like, yeah, certainly for the five hour shows. We've been doing the. Yeah. Uh, I've been doing yeah. the theme of the actor, the your favorite actor. For the five-hour shows, um, yeah. for the five-hour midnight ride, we do have to have an underlying theme as we go through them. There's no doubt. We got to have right. have one of these fun subjects we can go uh, and and revisit and and talk about and have your favorite and my favorite and this and that. Yeah, we've yes. been doing and, act, and we've go- been doing actors. I might still do that for a little bit. I was planning on doing one of those tomorrow, um, but we could always change that up too as we get to different uh, scenarios and different thought processes. We do music, and, movies, and pop culture stuff. I would think, other than yeah. sports, we could we could do sports 
things too every once in a while, but uh, a little different thinking, music, movies, yeah. uh, whatever else. And then I go back to one more thing, wrestling. Bob Backlund yeah. at Nassau Coliseum beating the Iron Sheik, and I was with like 20 mm-hmm. of my family members. I mean, it had to be 100 years ago. But yeah, those It's, it's funny because I remember... You know, I remember Bob Backlund as the, the red, the redheaded guy with the knee pads who always got beat. Yep. Like when, yep. I, by the time I was into wrestling, I didn't, I didn't consider Bob Backlund a legitimate guy. He was like a nobody to me. And then subsequently, you find out he was the champion for almost as long as every. Like he was like a a great he champion. Stepchild. Yeah. Redheaded stepchild. Right. How about the Ivan Putski? Don't know Ivan Putski. I heard the nickname the Polish Hammer. I forget the Ivan Putski. I know this is right. We used to have this conversation with Minko all the time. Minko, when me and Mons would talk wrestling, Minko was into the old school wrestlers, and he would have all these names of old school wrestlers that he uh, loved as a kid or whatever. But I don't remember Ivan. Was Ivan Pitsko? I don't remember that. Putski. 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 I don't remember Ivan Putski. All right, pal. It's a great thing. Oh, you got it, Maury. No problem about no problem whatsoever. I thought you were going to ask something. The Mepham High School football story. I mean, now we're we're telling the story about how I started at the fan, which is a classic for me to tell at parties and such. I still got to tell you how I saved a, a woman's life in Germany. <laughs> that that story. I'm not sure when I'm going to spring that story on, but yes, I did save a woman's life in Germany. So I got to eventually tell that story, which is a good one. But I've told the. Um, now the I've, and I've told this one on air before. Not I don't not not as the overnight host. I haven't, but I've told the story. I mean, Sal talked about it on air once. I think I was working, I was board hopping for Sal one day or producing for Sal one day, and we talked about this on air about how I first met Sal and Mark, and how my friends were a little crazy for them. Even I mean, we're, we're crazy. We're crazy kids. We were crazy kids in our youth, celebrating out in Vegas. But yeah, Mar- I met Mark and Sal and, and Monzo, and Gio was on that trip too. I didn't, wasn't fortunate enough to meet him. He must not have been all in on the Vegas trip at, at that point. I don't know, but he was apparently that first night I met Moose and um, and Brian. Sal had a rough night. I hope I'm not speaking out of school. I'm not going to give details. But Sal had a rough night and had to go to bed. And Gio was making sure his buddy was okay. And, and Monzo, uh, Moose came down to meet a fan. And I start, and that's when I learned. Here's another thing: talking out of school, I learned that Mark Malusis's favorite drink is a apple martini. He's a big sour apple martini guy. And here I'll tell a story. I don't care if he. I don't think he'll mind. I think I told this one on air too. We were at years later. Fast forward three years later, uh, we we did a trip uh, to Borgata in Atlantic City. And Sal was on that trip too. And there's a very famous story of Sal wearing my shoes into a club. We'll have to tell one day. And they looked about the same as I'm sure the clown shoes he wore today would fit on him. I wear a size 14. Sal is not a size 14. I have a big foot. Make of that what you will. I wear a size 14. So I he he wouldn't get in with a pair of sneakers and we had to put him, I had an extra pair of shoes that I wasn't sure which one I wanted to wear. And I let him wear one of my extra shoes and he was flopping around <laughs> And he was furious they wouldn't let him in with the sneakers. Anywho, uh, Mark Malusis, I found out, loves drinking sour apple martinis. So we're at the bar waiting, you know, pre-gaming a little bit at the sidebar before we go to the club. I think it's Murmur in, in Borgata. And he orders a sour apple martini. And he's sitting there and we're at the bar drinking. And 
some you know fan approaches him. He's like, "Hey, are you Mark Malusis from SNY?" And I so Mark turns around so fast and makes sure to cover that drink and starts. He like faces. He puts himself in between the drink and the guys who are talking to him, and he starts sliding the drink like towards me. And I'm like, "No, Moose, you're not getting out of this. You drink sour apple martinis. You're gonna order them. You're gonna you're gonna admit that's what you drink." But he was trying to hide the fact. From a couple of guys who walked up to him and said, "Oh, I'm a big fan! I see you every night on Geico Sportsnet." Whatever. What are you guys doing? Huh? Nothing. We're just hanging out, you know, drinking sour apple martinis with a nice maraschino cherry in it. Don't be ashamed, Moose. They're delicious. It's okay. I like a good sour apple martini from time to time. Nothing to be ashamed of. But yeah, so if you see Moose out, and you want to buy him a drink, sour apple martini. I know he does the sports bet. I know now it's now the football season's not on. If you see him at the sports book. And he's, uh, you know, looking for a, a libation. Sour apple martini. That's the that's Mark Malusis's go-to drink. 877-337-6666. And, yeah, Sal, since we're telling stories here, yeah, Sal, we were that same trip. We were going into Murmur, and Sal had a pair of shoes, a pair of sneakers on. Nice, you know, nice. I don't know if they were Jordans, but they were nice, expensive sneakers. And the guy in the club wouldn't let him in with the sneakers, and Sal was not happy. What do you mean? It's $100 sneakers. Well, yelling, screaming. We had to like calm him down and walk him up to the room. I gave him my shoes. and He's, flop- he's literally flopping around in these big, enormous clawed hoppers for him. He could be, you know, it was ridiculous. And he got into, he was so mad. <laughs> Sal was so mad he had to put on somebody else's shoes. He was so mad. He would, they wouldn't let him in with the sneakers. He was so mad. Yeah, those were the days. It was actually what, what I remember most about that trip to the Borgata was it was the weekend that Michael Jackson passed away. And we went to that club, and it was DJ Jazzy Jeff was actually the, the DJ of the club that night. He was, like, doing a guest appearance as the DJ at Murmur, and he played nothing but Michael Jackson music. He played Michael Jackson music the entire time. And it was like everyone was loving it. It was it was it was a great night with DJ Jazzy Jeff playing nothing but Michael Jackson music, and Moose sipping sour apple martinis, and Sal walking around in my oversized shoes. This is what you came for. It certainly wasn't the sports talk, was it? Eight seven seven. Thank you guys for calling. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. I'm all in on the storytelling. I'm all in on the sports talk. And we'll do it again at midnight tomorrow for a five-hour midnight ride. Fliegelman, thank you. Everybody stay safe out there. Be well. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. The warm-up show is coming up next. I'm out of here. I'm going to go make coffee for the entire morning crew. I'll be back later. Bye. Sports Radio 101.